0: Beautiful, beautiful. Not everyone knows that you're singing Beethoven. Uh, That's from his Ninth Symphony. The words are a little complex, but very meaningful. I'm Douglas Jacoby. I've been asked to give the sermon today. It's a shorter time because it's a busier Sunday. I'm going to use the first half of my slot just to share about my recent trip in Africa, which I just returned from on Wednesday, and then a short devotional sermon to follow uh, tying into Father's Day. So thank you for being here, and it'll all be up on the screen as I share about my time in Zambia first and then uh, South Africa. Um, I'd like to give indicators here because Africa is a huge continent, more than 50 countries, and not everyone knows wh- what's where, and I understand that. Um, OK, that's good. So follow that arrow there, and you come to Zambia. Now, we're lucky in Atlanta, having the busiest airport in the world, we can fly quite easily. I went a little indirectly. I had to go through Europe and take KLM, but they're good too. Dutch people are all right. And then after just a quick night in Johannesburg to Zambia, which was the first uh, place. I had canceled a a four or five day visit to them in October when I got the call. My mother was about to die. I came back, so I was kind of making it up to the fellows. But what an amazing country. Uh, That's the flag, if you don't know it. When I went to Ghana, uh, in April, uh, as also when I was in Brazil in May, I, I'm trying to travel differently, sm- more smartly. Trying to kind of invest, spend time with those who are preachers and teachers who can build and perpetuate the teaching ministry. Sometimes these are the normal ministers. Sometimes they're translators, as in these brilliant guys over there in Brazil. On this trip, Twumbo Chicoye, who's our preacher, um, vocational. He he has another job. Great fellow, loves the teaching ministry. So we spent four or five days together, but invited a friend. When I was at the Unboxed conference, I was in Orlando. I just, late night, I spent an hour with a friend, and I said, you know, you should come with me someday. Join me on one of these trips. And I got back, I walked up to my hotel room, and he had just emailed me his air tickets to Zambia, of all places, never been to Africa, but it was really great. Some of you know our brother evangelist teacher, Steve Kennard, in New York City. That's one of his relatives. Well, that's what I did in Zambia. Great time with uh, their 22 leaders, a world report, some insights from the book of Acts, uh, a full day of teaching on the Holy Spirit, superstition, signs, wonders, tongues, and other so-called miracles, and um, everyone got free copies of Exodus. These are uh, this is the couple who lead our hope work in Zambia, and they're connected with the UK. Great couple. Here's Twambo again. Um, I'm always snatching pictures during the fellowship. Not like Jack Frederick, you'll never know I did it, but I, I, I do it there, okay. Sorry, Jack. Uh, as everywhere in, Ch- in uh, Africa, the Chinese are invading. And in, in a way, I think it's a very positive thing. Okay, so this is the church service. The energy was terrific. I, I may have a video or two at uh, my Facebook page if you want to hear what it sounds like. I'll just say it sounds an awful lot better than when I tried to sing with motion and rhythm. Here's some of the kids afterwards gathering around the baptism. Mother, who's a Christian, hugs the daughter who's not, although now she is. You capture at the point of emergence from the baptistry, bigger than a normal 52-gallon uh, uh, barrel, but, but only a little bit. And that's where people get become Christians, right there. It's interesting. This will actually, I'm realizing this will illustrate when we get into the sermon proper, uh, that baptism is not something you do, it's something that's done to you. Whereas the, in Georgia, that very popular sinner's prayer, aren't you guilty, bow your head and say a prayer, that's something you're doing. We don't actually believe that there's anything you do, it's something that's done to you. Morris, one of the brothers who uh, finished university, wants to be a teacher, wants to become a student at Lincoln Christian University. It, I just love it when I meet people who are eager to learn put it differently, who would be bored in church if they didn't do something. I love that attitude. Well, we had a number of days in Lusaka, the capital, but my friend David, because he'd never been to Africa, said, could we see some game? Could we, like, do something African? He uh, said, okay, let's do it. So we took one day and we went and we saw some game. Now, that's me you can just make out, see behind me, see the rhinoceros? It's a rhinoceros, and that's a baby rhinoceros. There were 12 white, white rhinos. One was only two months old, one was only three days old. I've never seen a baby rhino. I mean, I've seen rhinos lots of times. They're cool. OK. So there you, Dave was satisfied. You heard of the Zambezi River, Zimbabwe, Zambia, kind of the border? Um, this is Victoria Falls, a system that swallows up the Niagara Falls, uh, like, completely. It's the most amazing waterfall I've ever been to. We're so glad we went there. Great time talking, teaching, preaching, and so forth. And then it was to South Africa, the nation with the really cool flag, okay, which is there, as you would expect, in the south of Africa. Point man, Paul Smith, took care of me well. He's been asked to head up biblical training. The MTA, the AIM, the ASOM, the uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the biblical training for leaders and everybody, uh, Paul and Jackie, he really took care of me. My, the host family where I stayed, uh, really um, great, great couple as well, as Solly and another Jackie, and they're cute girls, and they took very good care of me as well. In Joburg, got to do a world report, got to teach from Exodus from my new book, and did about, I guess I gave about 20 evangelism practicals, so it was challenging, but actually quite fun. And uh, I also got to speak, um, and this is Barnabas here, one of our uh, brothers, and got to speak to a com- combination of a couple of the regions there, which was fun as well. Uh, we were joined by a brother who wanted time, and I said, well, David wanted to do something touristic, so we went to Constitution Hill. This is the site of a prison. Now, when we think of South Africa and prison, you may think of Nelson Mandela and all the years he spent on Robben Island. That's a different place near Cape Town, but this is more central. That's the younger Nelson, some of the cells, and some of the artwork done by the prisoners, and that was a very meaningful time as well. I also went to Pretoria. Pretoria is the capital of South Africa. Uh, I shared news, and particularly, you may not even know this, but what we're trying to do here, building a strong church with focus on campus ministry, our movement began in 1967. This is the 50th year right now. And so I'm just reminding the Africans that didn't seem to know that. 50 years for me, I'm reflecting, because I'm, I'm finishing up my year number 40 as a Christian. In Brazil, they just celebrated 30 years in our movement. So these anniversaries are cool. So I met with uh, the brothers. They've been up. Uh, They've been fasting and we're going to break the fast and have an all-night prayer, and I was going to teach in between. Uh, You you see, they're wearing coats, fleeces, and sweaters because it's winter down there, and they're feeling the chill. I was actually preaching in a short sleeve shirt. I was fine, but it was 68 degrees. I understand. (laughs) Great guys. Amazing singing. Oh, yeah. I would kind of tease them. Oh, let me take your coat for you. Oh, no, 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 I need that. Oh, let me unzip the fleece for you. Okay, all right. A lot of fun. South Africa, we have, by the way, if you're just visiting North River, we have a number of South Africans in the auditorium right now. And they will make sure that anything I say that's wrong gets corrected. And I'm quite aware of that, okay. South Africa, SAA, good airline, went to Durban, the surfing capital. Whenever I go surfing in Africa, I go to Durban. Although I've never been surfing in Africa, but I would if I could not fall off the board. Justin and Lisa Comrie, their girls are a little bit older, so they weren't actually there, but they put me up. He's the dynamic preacher, mega networker, biker. Uh, so convicting. I mean, I'm thinking, let's have breakfast together. He said, well, I come back from my cycling, for my spinning. Uh, yeah, that's at seven, and his wife, yeah, you know, my wife will be back from her swimming. Yeah, then we can have breakfast. And <laughs> I'm just thinking, okay, what a slob I am. Okay, but that's Justin there. A lot of teaching and preaching and talking. The the main event was based around an Evidences Sunday to present reasons for the Christian faith and then to take questions from the audience. But that doesn't mean there was no time for sport. And it happened to be, you ever heard of the rugby, like the Six Nations, you know, you've got France and you've got, uh, that's a European thing, but this is a world event. And here um, you can see South Africa uh, trouncing uh, France, for which they were very grateful. When we say football, most of the world does not think what most of you think. And I'm not here to correct you, but I mean, in almost all the world, football only means soccer. There are very few countries that aren't into it with passion. Uh, then second would have to be rugby football, and that's what this is. We're watching rugby football. American football would be number three. Uh, it's not that it's not well known, it's just not played very much outside uh, Canada and the US. And enjoying the victory. Okay, so this was a Sunday, The True and Reasonable, which is based on the exact words of Paul when he's speaking before Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. And he tells him, no, I'm not out of my mind. I really believe the Christian message makes sense. And maybe you do too. It's a great passage. And I told them, well, <laughs> the book, they said, teach from that book. So that book's been, that's 20 years out of date. You know, we don't sell that anymore, where'd you get it? We have some other ones here, but evidences are important. Oh, by the way, it occurred to me driving here, anyone has a birthday today, see me, I'll give you a free copy of my new evidences book, if you see me today. (laughs) Well, the the, the Sunday event in Durban was fantastic. Uh, They had pushed it, they had promoted it, about a third of the audience were guests, and you could tell uh, that they were hearing a lot of things for the first time very encouraging. And this is one of those panorama pictures. It makes the crowd look smaller than it is. I took a picture of North River 20 minutes ago in my iPhone. It doesn't look like it's that many people. It's deceptive. One more thing I wanted to say about Africa. It was a very successful trip, extremely encouraging, especially, I think, the investing in specific persons who will understand and study and teach the Word. We have such a need to be biblically grounded. Uh, We just don't have an awful lot going on. We're we're, we're trying to move in that direction. But I spent time with uh, Rapula, uh, the brother who drove me to uh, Pretoria. He's from Botswana. He's from Gaborone, And he said, please, ask North River. There's anyone who'd be willing to come for one or two months just to be with us in Botswana. And if you want to do that, there's, there's Raps, as he calls himself. Uh, And that other guy, that's me. That's Nigerian clothes. I know, you probably were misled. Okay, that's me though. If you're interested, email him or just talk to me. But they would love to have you. Ultimately had to say goodbye to Africa until next time. Thank you for sending me there, North River. I gave your greetings absolutely everywhere I went. And so I'm bringing greetings also to you from Durban, from uh, Pretoria, from Johannesburg, uh, from Lusaka, and even from the Brothers in Livingstone, one of the minuscule churches we have in, in Zambia. So I got back. Next trip, Israel, a number of you in this room are joining us next month, and others could come next year, perhaps. Okay, let's make a transition now. That's the end of the sharing about Africa. It is Father's Day, Father's Day, and I want to share a few things on this 110th annual Father's Day. In other words, it's not in the Bible, it's a recent thing, but I think it's still, still a good thing to do. As Sherwin explained very well, it can be a tough day for many. It can be hard for children. Uh, your father has died, or it's a conflicted relationship, or maybe it's an absent father. In my case, my father, he, didn't, he wasn't really absent from travel. It was more he would bury himself in books and didn't really seem to want to talk. But I think for a lot of this, it can be a little tricky. And yet, I think most fathers and mothers care for their kids. What kind of a parent would throw the baby out the window to fall over 100 feet to the ground? Now, if you've been watching the news this week, you know what I'm talking about. It was the fourth in a series of disasters in, in, the, in Britain. You had the Westminster Bridge uh, killings. You had the Manchester arena uh, terrorism. The, these are places we thick and I were on Westminster Bridge earlier this year. Manchester is the airport we usually fly into. Uh, they had You had the terror attack near London Bridge in the borough. That was our neighborhood when we got married for four years. and then now this, this, uh, this uh, fire in government housing um, in in London, which killed, I don't, I don't know whether it's scores of people, but it sounds absolutely horrible. But it was amazing that a parent thought, dropped the baby from the 10th floor, and the baby was caught uh, without any harm, an amazing thing. You talk about rescue. You talk about trusting your parents. Now it's a baby, so there was no discussion about it, but just amazing thinking about, you just imagine throwing a baby out the window and just hoping someone has a, can catch, all right. It can be hard for fathers though, not just for, for children. Uh, it's hard for fathers when children are deceased. I mean, my father was just wrecked, I think devastated for the rest of his life when my 20-year-old sister died in 1984. You, you don't get over those kinds of things. And then there may be rebellious children, and there may be angels also, but that's not in my list. And then estranged children, where, I mean, you've got a kid, but you're not in contact. As a, as a father of an estranged child, that's incredibly painful. Not, maybe not terribly different from, from having a child die. And so it's a day where we could get very pensive and very heavy. I wanted to, to give you something biblical, and, and the point I wanted to get across in the remaining minutes is quite simple. You know, we have different kinds of fatherhood natural fathers. I don't mean natural, like, wow, you're a great dad. I mean natural because you contributed your part to, you know, okay, the egg then the Bible talks about being a son in the faith or a daughter in the faith. Paul described himself as a father to the Corinthians. You, you might have 10,000 guardians, but you only have one father. I'm your papa uh, through the gospel. And, and although I, I should also say about religion, about Christianity, although we have fathers in the gospel, Jesus flatly forbids us to call any Christian leader by any special title pastor, reverend, father, teacher, rabbi. It's forbidden. Jesus was very clear on that. But in worldly Christianity, you know, people like the title. They like the perks. But Jesus said, call no man father. He's not saying, you know, call your father George because that's very modern, but I don't know how respectful that is. You know, you, you can call him whatever you want to call him. But we're talking about in the church because he says, you, you have one father and all of you guys are brothers. Okay. Then the third kind of fatherhood, and this is one I don't think we think of a lot, though the song we just sang illustrated it, and that's God's fatherhood over the entire earth. Any human being is a child of God. Are you going to give me some more to hang myself at? Well, that's all it was. Wow. Okay. Like the elephant tied up to the stake. He didn't know. He could have gotten away at any time. When Paul speaks to the Greeks in Athens, in Acts chapter 17, in in, in Acts 17, he says that basically God is our father. Now, he's quoting their Bible, their their writings, and he's talking about Zeus, but the idea that Zeus, or for the Romans, Jove or Jupiter, you know, he's the father of everyone. But there's a general concept that anyone who's alive is a son or daughter of God. That's true, but there are two ways to be a son or daughter of God. As Christians, maybe we we miss this first sense. We we don't understand that even someone not a Christian is still extremely special to God. But then there's the fourth level where we're going to focus. That is those who've been born of God, they've been born again. Well, if they were already children of God, why do they have to become children of God again? because you can be a child of God in two ways. One, by virtue of being human and bearing God's image. Whether you're right with God or not, you're, you're a child of God. But in the sense of redemption, salvation, you have to become a child of God. And it's something you decide It cannot be done for you. And this is our scripture. It's from the beginning of Jesus' gospel. Uh, John's gospel about Jesus in John 1, and Jesus comes to His own people. He fulfills the Scripture. He's not recognized. He comes to His own, and His own did not receive Him. Now, we become Christians not by receiving Christ in the Georgian sense of bowing one's head and saying a prayer. In fact, if you look later in John chapter 12, you see that receiving Christ means receiving His words. It doesn't, has nothing to do with prayer. It means you've accepted His teaching. And you say, well, I accept Him, but I don't know about His teaching. Well, then you haven't received Christ. Receiving Christ means receiving His word. That's in John 12, 47-48. That's what it means to receive Christ. All right, with that in mind, to all who did receive Him, To those who believed in his name, I could say those who accepted the gospel, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It doesn't say if you receive Him, you're a child of God, because you're not. I mean, you've done the mental and emotional thing that you had to do to get ready. This gives you a privilege. You're on deck. Uh, you're, You're up next. I mean, you can become a child of God. And then he clarifies, uh, children born not of natural descent, the idea that, you know, you would be born a Christian just because your parents are Christians. That that doesn't work anyway. Everyone will be tested at some point. Nor of human decision, that is, no one can decide for you or proxy for you. When you're baptized, you need to be in agreement and understanding what you're getting into. Nor is it of a husband's will. I mean, conversion isn't just something that's, that's uh, natural because of your father or husband, but you're born of God. So I want to focus on these two phrases, all right? We become children of God. If you have not studied the Scriptures to find out what that means, or if you're just going along with the normal Georgian method of Christianity, I would urge you to read the Gospel of John. I would suggest you talk to someone whose biblical life and understanding you trust and find out what that means. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. And that hint is that, um, well, it's in John 3, just two chapters later, we, we see how we will be born of God. It's in John 3, 3, 5, 3, 3, 3, 5, 3, 7. So we become children of God. And if you're not a child of God, if you haven't repented and been baptized, if you're not living in the light, I'm not here to look down on you, to uh, to ridicule or, or patronize, but simply to inform that there is solution in Scripture, and then to urge you to to do the intelligent thing, take the time to learn, and it's always faster. It always goes faster if you have someone who will help you. Uh, it's just like you know asking for directions. It, it's like eight times faster if you. You may still get lost, but if you don't ask directions, you know what it is, men, fathers. Now, the second concept, being born of God, this is not the first birth. This is what people call born again. But it's not just a happy, clappy kind of Christianity. This is the real thing. And it's not not that recent phenomenon that we may be more familiar with, but it's in the Scripture. So what is being said? And what has been said during this church service. Well, all of us have had earthly fathers, even if we never knew them. They were imperfect, but we have a perfect heavenly father. Second, all humans are God's children in a general sense. Everyone in this auditorium, you are a daughter or son of God. That gives a certain dignity to you. It means that you should have a motivation to find out what the Lord expects, what He wants you to do, why He would love you. Because as far as world religions go, this is a very unusual faith, Christianity, that God even knows you, cares about you, loves you, relates to you. You think this is everywhere. I'm sorry, it's not. So if you're just God's child in a general sense, you're missing something. You need to go to the next stage those born again into the family of God are His children. Not in the general sense, but in a very specific sense. And that's in the sense of being saved. Does this make sense? Just this distinction between these two levels of fatherhood or or childhood. They're both biblical, but only one saves. We may be unable to do anything about earthly father-child relationship, but we can always, always count on our heavenly Father. Keep Africa in your prayers. Make the most of this Father's Day. God bless all.